I'd like to invite you along the Camino with me. I'm Holly Brock, and welcome to the playful ponderings of my particular pilgrimage along the Camino de Santiago. I love the title of this story, Seeds, Stones, and Cherries on Top, because it gives you a feel for the smorgasbord of thoughts and emotions that I felt starting this pilgrimage. I really hope this story finds its way to sweet Sarah's ears. And lastly, I'm going to try to pronounce this word because I chickened out in the original recording of it because I was afraid I would mispronounce it. But the cloud at the end was a cumulonimbus cloud. Yes, I did it. Here we go. Seeds, stones, and cherries on top. I'm calling this story Seeds, Stones, and Cherries on Top. On the flight from Madrid to St. Sebastian, a woman slept soundly next to me. She was young and had her hair wrapped up in a scarf, probably her signature look. We stood near each other in the tiny baggage claim area. And when our two backpacks came shuffling out on the conveyor belt side by side, looking like they were old friends, voila, we were too. Sweet Sarah from Italy, my first fellow pilgrim on the Camino de Santiago. We were both a bit bleary-eyed, operating with that curious energy one subsists on during international travel, and as there were no yellow arrows yet to follow, we banded together to find our way from St. Sebastian to St. Jean Pideport. As we waited for the train, we sat side by side on a little bench. She smoked a cigarette. I tried to call home. There is something powerful about companionship. Just by virtue of Sarah and me sticking together in this leg of the journey, we felt the anxiety we had both been feeling beginning to dissipate. Her English was nominal, and my Italian even less, but that was of little concern as we had banded together toward a common goal. I asked her if she would watch my backpack as I found a bathroom. I should have asked her to hold the door to the glorified porta potty I used. Apparently, I had not latched it properly and found mid-session that the door was slowly opening and out of my reach. The bright side is that it gave a young Spanish boy walking by a good scare and a really good story for the dinner table that night. I consoled myself figuring that this was a gift I could give along the way, stories that could be told round dinner tables, even if they were often at my expense. I had no idea how generous I would end up being with these gifts during this time along the Camino. Later, as we drove up and up further into the Pyrenees, I felt my heart soar. Sarah and I were squished into the front seat of a van, feeling the wind in our hair and the sweat rolling down our backs. The scenery was spectacular. I wondered, was the green brighter than usual? Did the air always have this freshness about it? Our party had grown and we chitter-chattered as best we could with a couple of Germans and a group from Ireland. There is an immediate openness and bond with fellow pilgrims. It is one of the most precious and profound gifts of the experience. 
Eventually, we pulled into the town of St. John, stepped out into the sun, gathered our packs, and dispersed, calling out our first tentative Buen Camino, wishing each other a good way. I wish I could compare that first shy try with the last Buen Camino, I shouted on the rocky peninsula of Finisterre. This one felt like a baby step. That one felt like I could take on the world. Here, Sarah and I parted ways. We were both thankful that our paths had crossed and sure that they would again. But Sarah and I never actually walked together on the Camino. And in fact, I did not even lay eyes on her till almost 40 days later as I was nearing the coast and the end of my pilgrimage. I remember that moment so clearly. Although the sun was in my eyes, I could still tell that it was a young woman walking toward me. I noticed her sure and light step, her bright countenance, and then I recognized the scarf wrapped around her hair. She recognized me too, and I bet we looked like giddy schoolgirls skipping over to greet each other. I tried to convey that seeing her again was like the cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. The sundae of, of my pilgrimage had already been so sweet and rich that I didn't think it could get better, but I'd forgotten that a good ice cream sundae always has a cherry on top. Sweet Sarah from Italy, my first fellow pilgrim, and the cherry on top. Now back to this day. I'm standing in the square of St. Jean, which is known as the official starting point of the French way of the Camino de Santiago. This is where it begins. Yet something had already begun in me long before this moment. When does a pilgrimage really begin? Many years ago, when I first heard about the Camino de Santiago, the first tiny seed of the pilgrimage planted itself into my soul. I must have been good soil because soon I found myself saying out loud that someday I wanted to walk it, walk it all the way across northern Spain, all the way to the coast. And I naively thought that everyone given the chance would want to go. I would say things like, doesn't it sound amazing? I mean, don't you want to go too? It took quite a few blank expressions and a fair number of, are you serious? Comments to realize that, nope, not everybody wants to go on a pilgrimage. For me, though, that realization worked like yeast through dough, growing the desire in me. I really did not, I really did want to do this. So the seed nestled in a little deeper and started to put down roots. Some part of the pilgrimage definitely began then. And now that tiny seed of a dream had grown into reality as I look at my feet now planted firmly on the actual terra firma of the Camino. So now that pilgrimage, which was already underway inside me, enters a stage I affectionately call boots on the ground with the pun absolutely intended. It's one thing to plan and imagine an experience. It's quite another to be on the cusp of it, actually physically being in the space and in the time where your walking will begin. That evening stands out in my memory in so many ways when I wandered around the town of St. Jean. How else to say it, but it felt like God was welcoming me into this. Like many years ago, he sent me an invitation to a party and I sent my RSVP back saying, yes, sir, I'd love to. I love parties. And now it's the day of the party, and I'm standing at the host's door. I know I was invited. I stand here. I'm about to knock. But there's always that fear. What if the host changed his mind about the whole thing? 
What if I didn't get the time or the place right? What if the host opens the door but isn't excited to see me? Yet here I am about to knock and the door is flung open. And with the heartiest of greetings, I am welcomed in. God, let's get this party started. The original stone walls around this centuries-old town are still a clear fixture of St. John in the 21st century. I reached around both sides of one of the archways in the wall, in effect giving it a hug, and said out loud, If only you could talk! And I'm pretty sure that the older couple nearby overheard me, and I'm pretty sure that's why they turned around and left. But am I right? If those walls could talk? I found some tiny stone stairs and followed them up to a section along the top of the wall that I could walk along. I marveled at how many stones it took to make these walls, how long these stones have held their place, and what they have witnessed. If these stones could talk. The sound of singing wafted up toward me. The sound reverberated, bouncing off the walls like it was a game of hot potato where the stones were tossing the song back and forth between them. I closed my eyes to listen and realized it's a song we have sung around our dinner table as a prayer and a blessing. The Latin words jubilate Deo mean praise to God. Hearing it sung here in St. John, I imagined it was a thousand years earlier and that a group of monks were about to walk around the corner. And now how wonderful they begin to sing the song in rounds. To my surprise, instead of monks in brown habits and shaved heads, a group of young men in uniform, looking a lot like a tribe of Eagle Scouts, came into view. They continued to belt out this joyous song. The song continued to reverberate off the stones and straight into my heart. I was enraptured. That is, until my stomach rumbled violently, the phrase, I'm so hungry, I'm about to eat my shoe, popped into my mind and would continue to do so often over the following weeks and miles. Time for my first pilgrim meal. I found a restaurant built right up against the town wall and made with the exact same type stones. Although it was a fairly simple meal, I gave thanks for it like it was a feast. It's one thing to feel generally grateful. It's quite another when you know your specific need and feel it very acutely. I'd like to coin the phrase pilgrim thankful because many times along the Camino, you come face to face with your need. And when you receive whatever you are in need of, it's a kind of thankful that goes from the tippy top of your head all the way down to your toes. Full and happy, I step back outside into the beautiful evening and notice a group gathered by the church doors where a concert was about to begin. D the decision to sit front and center seemed wise as I thought it might help this tired traveler stay awake. The men were performing and filed in solemnly, and their voices rang out deeply in a cappella. That is the truth, but it's not the whole truth. Soon, my full tummy and jet-lagged body were making my eyelids feel like they had elephants sitting on them. And soon, I began to lose the battle of keeping my eyes open. My presence, which I hoped would be one of an earnest pilgrim, instead ended up being like a young student who simply cannot stay awake during class and ends up leaving a pool of drool on her desk. I tried all the tricks. I tapped my feet on those stone floors, pinched the skin on my arms till it left a mark, made faces, which I realized was very distracting to those austere performers, but it was hopeless. 
The next time my head jerked up after being defeated by the tyrant of exhaustion yet again, I decided that however rude it was for me to get up and leave, it was a heck of a lot more polite than drooling right here in the pew. Forgive me, brothers, my snoring was in no way a criticism of your talent. I wandered down by the small river and dipped my feet into the cool water, saying a little prayer over them for the long journey ahead. Then I meandered up the narrow cobblestone road through yet another archway in the town wall. On a little vista, overlooking the green valley as it spread out before the city, I beheld the surest sign of my welcome. As I gazed out over that valley, I saw the remnants of a storm dissipate and the fragment of a rainbow burst forth out of the massive cumulonimbus clouds. The sky seemed to say, welcome pilgrim. I watched mesmerized till it faded. I knew this town was the recognized starting point of the Camino de Santiago French way, but I wondered if there was an exact spot where it began. As I turned to go in search of that answer, I walked back under the town wall and noticed a little plaque explaining that this archway was indeed where it began. I looked down and smiled, seeing my feet precisely at that spot. And so it was, and perfectly so, that on that beautiful evening, I stood by that bronze arrow nestled into the cobblestones at the top of that little hill under that stone archway in the walls of St. Jean Pied-de-Port. Some of you can picture it because you too have stood in that exact spot. Hopefully, though, all of us can see it in our imaginations. Mm -hmm.